Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and the leading producer of quality fertilizer products. This podcast is intended to facilitate the transfer of knowledge for farmers and crop advisors, improving farm profitability and environmental sustainability. Grow the Future with Yara. Hello and welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast series. My name's Ken Rundle and with me today is Natalie Wood, Yara's country arable agronomist. Natalie, we're well into this cropping season, but we're also at the time of year when farmers are laying plans and orders for the next one. And you're very keen for them to remember the nutrients beyond just nitrogen, especially sulfur. Why? Yeah, so, I mean, sulfur is vital in the crop for many different processes, um, particularly the efficient uptake and utilisation of nitrogen. So ideally, we don't really want people to be buying that straight nitrogen because you always really need sulfur applications when you're applying that nitrogen um, to get that best uptake efficiency. And a good many British soils are deficient in sulfur. Yes, certainly. So we have uh, your analytical services that um, analyzes hundreds or maybe even thousands of soil samples each year. Um, and they show over the last um, 40 years, maybe we've had a steep decline in the amount of sulfur that you get from the atmosphere with 97% of soil samples actually now being deficient in sulfur. And sulfur is a key component in plant growth. Yeah, definitely. So as I mentioned, it's, it's involved in several processes within the crop. Um, such as protein production, obviously protein is key for both yield and quality, um, as well as enzymatic and regulatory processes. So yeah, really important nutrient within the plant. But it's important you use the right source of sulphur. Yeah, so there's a few sources out there, obviously. Um, if I pick elemental, for example, then that needs to undergo a conversion within the soil before it becomes plant available. So that could take six to eight weeks maybe if the soil temperatures are low whereas if you're using a sulfate product um, then that is immediately plant available so that's what we want really when you've got a, a crop in the spring what you don't want is to delay any of that uh, potential growth so getting something on that's available ASAP is ideal. And that applies to other nutrients like uh, potash and phosphate. Yeah um, and particularly with uh, P and K what we want to do is get that fresh application on in the spring um, to boost that growth really. Again, we don't want to be holding that crop up at all. We want to get that crop up and going and get it established as soon as possible in the spring. Because the ideal time is when the soil temperatures are right, which ironically is always the autumn, uh, September time rather than the uh, March, April time. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, um, with various levels of blackgrass now being a problem around the country then more and more farmers are pushing it to those November even December drill dates and I mean gosh this year in particular was awful because we were still having people drilling in February March so um, not ideal because the soils are cold potentially wet and that means that the phosphate availability is really quite low so um, the soil holds on to that phosphate because those bugs that are in the soil aren't able to release it. So getting some fresh P&K on that is immediately plant available is great because obviously they're able to access that when they can't necessarily access from the soil. Because you're wanting a steady supply of this right the way through the season, while at the same time there is an important part right at the beginning. Yeah, so particularly with P&K, um, 
again, we've got that season-long supply if you use some of our products because we have other sources of phosphate in there. So it's not all orthophosphate, which can be locked up 40% um, in a two-week period. So our, our products have season-long supply. And if we think back to the sulfur, then again, we want that to be applied little and often with the nitrogen applications because you wouldn't put all your nitrogen on in one go because it'll leach and it wouldn't last you through the season. And you want to think the same thing with sulfur, really, because it leaches within the soil. We've tended to talk about these things separately, but of course they can be provided in the same product. Yes, definitely. So you can either get a, a nitrogen sulfur product or an MPKS, which has obviously got all, all those nutrients we've just spoken about in there. It just depends on what's best for your farm, what indices you're on um, and what fits best. But yeah, ideally it's going to either have sulfur or PK and sulfur in with your nitrogen. Now, nitrogen is actually something we haven't talked about much in much detail. We've been so busy dealing with the others. Uh, there are some key messages there about nitrogen itself, particularly its source. Yeah, um, and I guess this is more important really when you're thinking about emissions. So if we think then ammonia emissions are a real issue in the UK and the clean air strategy came out a couple of years ago now. Um, and that showed that 88% of these ammonia emissions actually come from agriculture. And of that, 23% are coming from fertilisers. So what, what can we do to reduce them, really? Um, if you think of ammonium nitrate, then it only has 3% ammonia emissions when you compare that to something like urea, which has 10 times that. So you can see easy things like switching from urea to ammonium nitrate can reduce the, the emissions greatly. And bearing in mind that the authorities are going to take an increasingly close look at agriculture and its uh, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, they already started, but it's going to become even tougher. The sooner farmers get used to dealing with perhaps alternatives, using products they hadn't necessarily used prior to, the better, because uh, they are going to come under the microscope. Yeah, definitely. And as you say, um, if it's going to become legislative, let's start getting those kind of things going now before it does become um, compulsory. It, it's all about really improving your nitrogen use efficiency because the more efficiently it's being used um, the less is going to be escaping to the atmosphere um, either through leaching or emissions so it's things like good agricultural practice making sure your pH is correct um, applying at the right times etc but you can also use tools and things like that um, if I take for example the RN tester then that can tell you how much nitrogen is in that crop and can help you with further applications so you're not applying too much nitrogen. And that reminds us that it's important to know exactly what condition your soil is in. Regular soil testing is still vitally important. The days of just testing once every four or five years are long gone. Yeah, I mean, ideally, if you could, it would be great if you could do some of your fields every year so you can start to build up a picture of, of your farm's history in particular. Um, it's not just all about soil though. I mean, tissue samples are a great way of seeing what's in that crop at that particular time while still giving you some time to um, apply something to rectify it because micronutrients as well are equally important and they all go into that um, nutrient use efficiency to help improve the, the crop's growth and how efficiently it's using all of the, the nutrients available to it. Now we've talked, if you like, about the content, the elements involved in the in the fertilizer, but the physical structure of the fertilizer is probably just as important. It's something that farmers don't necessarily always consider. Yeah, um, I mean, quality is a real key aspect, really, of fertilizer choice. Um, 
there's three main things really that you need to think about. So the strength of the, the particles. So that means a stronger particle can be spread over a further distance, so a larger bout width, because if you think the impact speed of that spreader vane, if it's not a hard particle, then it, it's going to shatter effectively. Um, uniformity of size and shape as well of the particles, they can separate out if they're not the same size and shape within a hopper, which can cause segregation. And then we get uneven crop growth. So ideally, if you're using a compound, then that's great because that can't segregate out. But if you're using a blend, then there is that potential there. And then finally, bulk density would be another key aspect there. So if you think of a good analogy as a ping pong ball versus a granule, so a prill would be a ping pong ball. It's light. Um, and if you tried to throw it, it wouldn't go as far as a golf ball. So if we think of trying to throw a golf ball, it would travel quite far, plus it's less affected by factors such as the wind. So if you're trying to spread up to, or over, should I say, 30 meters, then ideally you'll want to be using a granular product just because it's got that strength and bulk density. So before we finish, any final key points for farmers to remember? Um, I just think really you need to just perhaps take a step back, think, right, do I need sulfur? Probably yes. Do you need to factor in the P and K into there as well? Um, and how far are you going to spread that particular fertilizer? And all those um, decisions will then help you choose which fertilizer you need and hopefully not give you a shed full of straight nitrogen that you're scratching your head wondering what you're going to do with the rest of the nutrition. Some key points to remember then, very important points too, both from the pocket point of view and for your final crop. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's where we must leave it for now. Thank you, Natalie Wood, for that comprehensive rundown on what to bear in mind when planning ahead. If you've found this podcast useful, the next in Yara's new Grow the Future series will be on the 25th of June when we'll be looking at fruit. Join me, Ken Rundle, then. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.